Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, Jacob and his family have to move away from the only piece of land that he'll ever own because of the previous actions of his sons. But God protects them and reassures him of the Abrahamic promise. And then we complete the lives of Isaac and Rebecca, Rachel and Leah, and Esau. Genesis 35 and 36. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. On the last episode, we read Genesis 34, And in that passage, Jacob and his family had moved to Shechem, and his daughter Dinah had gone out into the town to visit with some of the girls, and she met a man there. And when this man saw her, he took her and he slept with her, but he also really did like her. And so he went to Jacob and asked for her hand in marriage, but the brothers were angry with him because he had obviously done this thing out of order. But instead of telling him that they don't like it, they agreed to give her to him in marriage and intermarry with them if they would only be circumcised like them. But it was all a trick. And after the men had been circumcised and they were all in pain, then the brothers went and killed all of them. And so we talked last time about deceit and vengeance and just being fair. And so if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because it is really the first part of this one. Today, we're going to see what happens after they've done all of this because Jacob didn't do this in bad faith and he was very upset with his sons and had already explained to them that, you know, now everybody around them is going to want to kill them because of the things that they had just done. So let's go ahead and start reading in Genesis 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way that I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was at Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they didn't pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is now called Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he had fled from the face of his brother. Bethel means house of God, so he calls it the house of God. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree, and the name of it was called Alon Bakoth, 
which means the terebinth of weeping. And then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you, I will give this land. And then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel which again means the house of God. So he renamed this city that was called Luz. He renamed it Bethel because he wanted to remember that this is the place that he considered the house of God. Remember, he met with God there at Bethel at the place where we call Jacob's Ladder. Whenever he left his father's house because of what he had done to Esau, God met him in a dream that we call Jacob's Ladder at Bethel. And God told him, hey, I'm going to be with you and your descendants are going to be as many as the stars and your descendants are going to eventually possess this land. And so God had come to him there. And when he came to him there, he said, oh, wow, this must have been the house of God. And I didn't even know it. God must have been here. And I was unaware. And so God told him, go back to Bethel, the place that I appeared to you when you ran from your brother Esau, right? So he's reminding him, remember when I went to you the first time there? Okay, I want you to go back to that place. And then again, just as he did the first time, God tells him, hey, this land is going to belong to your descendants. You know, it's very sad because the only plot of land that Jacob owned, he had to quickly leave because of what his sons had done. And he had to travel to Bethel. Now, even though Jacob's time in Shechem was short, eventually, whenever the Israelites come into the land and inherit that land, they bury Joseph's bones there in Shechem. And so that becomes the second burial place for the Israelites. So they do get a little bit of a permanent plot. Remember, I told you that the first place that was bought was a burial place for Sarah and then Abraham, Isaac, and Rebekah were all buried there. But also, the second plot of land that was ever bought was this place in Shechem, and that became a second burial place. So the places that they had actually paid for became their burial plots. Okay, so anyway, he returned to Bethel, which is the first place that he had ever received the promise. And so that is got to be comforting to him. You know, he had to run away from this place because of what his sons had done. And thankfully, God protected him because, you know, the nation of Israel could have ended before it ever really began if God was not faithful to keep his promise. Look at what God does for them. It says that whenever they were on their journey to Bethel, look in verse five, it says, terror of God was on all the cities that were around them and they didn't pursue the sons of Jacob. So God made the people afraid to attack Jacob, even though Jacob's family had done something wrong and no doubt they had heard about it. God did not allow them to be harmed because he had a further plan for Jacob and his family. They were going to become the nation of Israel and inherit all of this land. And so God protected them and caused fear to fall upon all those around them 
because God is so faithful to keep his promises, right? Even when we don't do the things that we're supposed to, God does. And so God allowed him to go back to the place that he had first given him the promise and kept them completely safe. And then when Jacob got there, God reaffirmed his promise to him by letting him know, hey, this was not a conditional promise. When I told you that this would happen, it was going to happen. And so I took care of you. I'm not going to take it away from you because of what your sons did. Because, you know, Jacob was afraid of that. Jacob said there at the end of chapter 34, he said, you know, these people are going to hear and we're few and then they're going to gather together and they're going to kill me and all of you too. And God said, no, I wasn't going to allow that to happen because I made you a promise. I made Abraham a promise and I'm going to keep that promise. And then notice how he again calls him by his new name. He reminds him, he says, remember how your name was Jacob, but not anymore. No more. Now your name is Israel. Don't forget that. Do not forget that I am bringing you into this land and I've given you a new name. You're no longer the deceiver. You are Israel, the prince of God, the prevailer. You struggled with God and with men, but you have prevailed. And now your name is Israel. How wonderful is it that God is so kind that he continues to reassure us whenever we are afraid, whenever we are doubtful, whenever we're worried. He came to Jacob and he said, no, you're not going to get killed. I'm going to protect you. Go back to Bethel. And then he protected him. And then he comes to him and he says, see, I protected you. And I'm going to do the things that I told you I was going to do. And your name is changed. You are a different person. I am God Almighty, he says. Be fruitful, multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings will come from your body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I now give to you and your descendants after you. How awesome is that? It didn't matter what his sons did. God's promise was not conditional. And then God must have physically come down because it says God went up from him from the place that he talked with him. And so maybe this was Jesus coming to him, speaking to him, God in the flesh, because he ascended back to heaven after he got finished talking with Jacob. And then Jacob did exactly as he did the first time. Every time that God brings him to a new place or speaks with him or shows him a new thing, he praises God. And so he set up a pillar and he pours oil on it, and he pours a drink offering on it, and he dedicates that place to God. And he says again, this is the house of God. I dedicate this place to you, Lord. And so when God comes to us and reassures us and calls us by our new name and gives us that hope that we need, then we need to praise him for that. We need to acknowledge him for that and say, hey, you're with me. Thank you. God always, always keeps his promises. We do not have to worry. Okay, so before we move on, I want you to also notice that there's something hidden in this passage found in verse 8 that doesn't really have to do with the rest of it. And so I want us to read that now. It says, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of that tree was called the tree of weeping. And so if you'll remember, Rebecca is Jacob's mother. 
And whenever Eliezer went to get Isaac a wife and found Rebecca, her dad also sent with her a maidservant. And here we find out that that maidservant's name is Deborah. And so she has died at this time and they bury her there underneath the terebinth tree. So that was, again, just something that was kind of hidden in there. And I wanted to make sure that we touched on it before we moved on. So let's go ahead and read the rest of chapter 35, beginning in verse 16. It says, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she had hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have a son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And so Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is the ancient name for Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar to Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. Okay, we're actually going to stop right there and we'll go on here in a minute. So after Jacob and his family left Shechem and went to Bethel, then they left Bethel and were on their way to Bethlehem whenever Rachel went into labor. And she ended up dying in labor, but her son Benjamin was fine. And so they have to bury her there on the way to Bethlehem. So she isn't able to be buried with the rest of the family back in Hebron. Now, if you happen to have bought the study, at the back of it, there is a word association it's not essential that you have it, but it helps me to see things in writing and to have them there to reference. And so Ephrath is shown as the ancient name for Bethlehem so that you can always associate those names. And then it obviously also has the names of all of the children and their mothers and the order that they were born, things like that. Also, the Tower of Eder was just outside of Bethlehem, and this was most likely a watchtower for the city. And if you remember, whenever Jesus was born, the angels came to some shepherds nearby and told them about his birth. And most likely, these shepherds would go into this tower and take care of their unblemished lambs and the lambs that they were going to sacrifice. They would stay inside of that tower so that they could be safe. And so that's just a little bit of information about that tower, that it was probably the tower that those shepherds that went to see Jesus had stayed in. Okay, so let's continue reading in verse 22. It says, And then it happened when Israel lived in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So we learn at this time, after Rachel has died, that Reuben decided to sleep with her maidservant, Bilhah. And you'll also notice that Bilhah had two sons for Jacob named Dan and Naphtali. So not only did he sleep with his mother's maidservant, but he also slept with his half-brother's mother. 
So obviously this is not a good idea. And all it tells us right here is that Israel heard about it. But later we'll see that Israel was not happy with Reuben for this. Okay, so let's read the last couple of verses. It says, Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had lived. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and eighty years, and Isaac breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So, if you will remember, at the time that Jacob deceived his father and stole his brother's birthright, Isaac thought that he was going to die then, because that's why he asked Esau to go and hunt some good food for him and bring it to him so that he could bless him, because he thought he was about to die. He was already blind and didn't seem to be doing all that well, and so he thought he was going to die at that time. And then Jacob was sent away and stayed in the land with his uncle Laban for 20 years and then came back. And we're not exactly sure how long he was back before his dad died. So we know that his dad lived at least 20 years after he intended to, if not several more. But sadly, we never hear anything else about Rebecca after Jacob leaves home. And so, you know, he and his mother had schemed to take the birthright away from Esau. And Jacob had to be sent away because of that. And the consequences of that were that he never got to see his mother again, most likely. Because it doesn't tell us anything about her death except the end of Genesis. We do find out that she was buried in Hebron with Isaac and Sarah and Abraham. If you remember, Hebron is the place that Abraham bought as a burial for Sarah. And then when he passed away, he was buried there. And then right here, we find that Isaac was buried there. And like I said, at the end of the chapter of Genesis, we find out that also Rebecca was buried with him there. But that's all we know about her. We have no idea when she died. So most likely it was sometime while he was gone, which is just a consequence of his sin because he had to be sent away from because of his sin and didn't get to see her again. Something else that is nice, though, is that notice how Esau and Jacob buried him together. And so and so they really did set aside their differences. Now, the next chapter of 36 talks completely about Esau and wraps his life up also. And it begins by telling us who his wives were. And if you'll remember, whenever Rebecca told Isaac that she wanted Jacob to go to her family and find a wife, she told him that it was because Esau had married two Canaanite women and she did not want Jacob to marry any of the women from around there. And so one of those women was a Hittite and the other one was a Hevite. And after Esau found out that his mother didn't like this, then he went and married another woman who was an Ishmaelite. And so it starts out by telling us that, that he had these three wives. And then we learn the names of his six sons and also that he had some daughters. And this whole chapter is just names. And that's the reason I'm just summarizing it and not reading it for you. It also tells us that he has 10 grandsons. And honestly, the only name that is important in this whole thing is Amalek and that is his grandson and he becomes the father of the Amalekites and they end up being trouble for the Israelites later on and so that's really the only reason that they're significant the only other thing that it does let us know I am going to read to you beginning in verse 6 it says then Esau took his wives his sons his daughters all the people of his household his cattle and his animals and all the goods that he had gained in the land of Canaan and he went to the country away from the presence of his brother Jacob 
for their possessions were too great for them to live together, and the land where they were strangers couldn't support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Sire. Esau is Edom. And so what it's saying here is that whenever Jacob moved back, it was clear that there was not going to be room for both of them. And so Esau moved into the land of Sire. And after he lived there for a little while and his family became prominent there, the land was called the land of Edom. Remember that Edom is just another word for Esau and it means red. And he was called that because it says when he was born, he came out red. Now, this proves again how well these boys were getting along because Esau was willing to move away when he had been the one living in that land for all of this time. But it really was just God's providence because the land that they were living in was the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham and then to Isaac and now to Jacob and his family. And so Jacob needed to be the one that lived in it, not Esau. And so God caused Esau to decide to move away from there and allow Jacob to be able to live in that land. So that again shows just God's hand over Jacob and how he was taking care of him and working everything out in order for him to be able to inherit that land and fulfill the promise that he had given. And then the rest of this chapter tells us who the chiefs of Edom were, but again, they really don't mean a whole lot to us. Because Esau was Isaac's child, then all of this would have been important to the Israelites. But the Israelites are the ones that inherit the promised land and that become the Jewish nation. And so they're the ones that are really significant. And the rest of the Bible talks about them. You can find pretty much this whole account also in First Chronicles 1, 35-54, if you also want to look there. Now, one more thing that I do want to bring up is that, you know, I told you that Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah all were buried in Hebron, but also Jacob and Leah were buried there too. And so it's kind of ironic because Jacob's favorite wife, the one that he loved, ended up dying on her way to Bethlehem and had to be buried on the way there and was not able to be buried with her husband in the burial plot that was their families. And she's really the only one. And then Leah, who wasn't loved and had endured so many hardships in her life, she was honored in death by being able to be buried beside Jacob. So that's just a little bit of interesting information about all of them and where they're buried. And that completes the lives of all of these people. We do not hear about their lives again. It may refer to them, but their lives are complete. All of the lives of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Leah, and Rachel. Okay, so from now on, we're going to be talking about Jacob and his sons. And specifically, we're going to be focusing on his son, Joseph, for the rest of the book of Genesis. And so that completes the Jacob study, if you happen to buy the studies. And next week, we will start the study of Israel and his sons. Now, unfortunately, I've had lots of sound problems with my computer, and I've been working every moment of my free time on that. 
And so I have not been able to get the entire study of Israel and his sons done in time enough to get it online for y'all to buy before we get started. And so hopefully I will get that done really soon if you want to buy that study. But we will go ahead and begin the first lesson in that study next week. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. Leave comments wherever you're listening. You can also email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Leave me a five-star review. That always helps me out. Thanks and have a good day.